Today's episode is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn has smart banks of practice questions for a wide variety of high-stakes examinations. Are you a med student? They have smart banks for step one and two. Are you a resident in the field of internal medicine, emergency medicine, or anesthesiology? They have you covered with smart banks for the exams you will encounter along your journey. But this is not only for physicians. PAs and MPs can prepare for their exams using TrueLearn as well. They can even help nurses prepare for the NCLEX. Click the link in the show notes for a discount by using the code EDDIEJOM. D25. Crush your upcoming exams by using TrueLearn. Welcome to the Saving Your Lives podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Your patient needs an airway. What is your go-to tool to secure the airway on a critically ill, unstable patient? Do you go with direct laryngoscopy, which the cool kids like me, just kidding, nobody's cool in critical care, call it DL, or do you go for video laryngoscopy, also called VL for short? This debate as to whether we should pursue DL or VL has been going on longer than I've been in medicine. I'm not sure that there's one exact answer for everybody, but what is the best overall solution to manage our patients who need to be intubated? That's what these authors tried to find out by conducting the device trial. This study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine on the 16th of June of 2023. For historical context, today that I finally get a chance to record this is the 19th of June of 2023. For the sake of disclosures, I personally know several of the authors of this clinical trial, and there might be some bias because I like these people. They're great people, and they helped train me. So I always recommend that you read these data for yourself and do not trust me. The place where I trained is one of the 11 institutions where they conducted this clinical trial. One of the authors was a key mentor of mine teaching me how to do airways in critically ill patients. I have to say, I owe this guy a ton. He's still a good friend to this day. Another one of the investigators was responsible in helping me obtain the job that I currently have today. I don't think I would have been plugged in properly had he not made the connections for me to eventually get hired at this place. So as always, a definite hat tip to the authors, especially to those authors who trained me. Now, before we go ahead and get started, I want to tell you a little bit of a story of my personal journey of sorts in learning how to manage airways. The first thing is that I went to medical school in another country, in a country that had fewer resources. I had to do a one-year internship in that country before I came back to the United States. And in that process, I was able to receive training from the anesthesiologists at at the several institutions who were very gracious with me and would let me go ahead and intubate the patients who I was about to operate on and who I was going to scrub in to assist the surgeon Now, the first thing they did before they actually gave me a blade to go ahead and intubate the patients using DL is that they made sure I knew how to bag a patient. And that is something that I find to be paramount in any particular training program of people who are going to be intubating patients. You need to know how to bag them. So throughout medical school and then that internship year that I had, I intubated many people using direct laryngoscopy, just using either a Mac blade or a Miller blade. There were no VL devices whatsoever in sight at any of those institutions. In residency, I had the luxury of having VL available for just about every single intubation that I conducted during those three years of internal medicine training. This was helpful because not only did it make obtaining a good view easier, but in addition to that, it allowed the attending physician to see exactly what I was doing and to provide me with pointers to be able to assess the airway as well as get the tube through the cords. At the same time, I was still quite facile with the direct laryngoscopy. So during codes and whenever the device was not readily available at the bedside within the time that I wanted to intubate the patient, I did take a 
shot at intubating the patient using direct laryngoscopy. During fellowship, I was blessed to be able to train at one of the institutions that is listed on this trial. At that institution, the vast majority of my intubations were conducted using direct laryngoscopy. Amongst my favorite parts of my fellowship training was the fact that during our last year of fellowship, we used to carry around the airway pager. We trained at an institution where the vast majority of the airways were obtained by that anesthesiology chief. So what would happen is that they would go ahead and page this pager where both the anesthesiologist as well as myself would show up to the bedside and together we would collaborate and discuss what was going to be the best way to secure the patient's airway. In this setting, the very beneficial part was that we were able to try different methods for every airway. For example, we would sometimes try DL using a Mac blade, sometimes DL using a Miller blade, using the light wand, using a bronchoscope. Every single time, we used to have a different way to expand our skill sets, so to speak, and secure patients' airways in challenging situations. Now, I have to say that out of all these tools, video laryngoscopy is the one that we use the least. I have been an attending now for just about six years, and I have to say that video laryngoscopy is my personal go-to tool for securing airways. I'm definitely blessed that it is readily available at my institution to where whenever there is, for example, a code called or a rapid response called that we need to intubate the patient at the, at the bedside, we could pretty much count on video laryngoscopy being there in a very short period of time. I can't tell you exactly how short, but nonetheless, it's a short period of time. There have been very few times where I have actually reached for direct laryngoscopy, although the majority of those times it has just been so I could keep my skill set up and still know how to intubate using a blade. Now it's time to go ahead and discuss the device trial. I'm going to read this because it's definitely a mouthful, but the study was a pragmatic, multi-center, unblinded, randomized, parallel group trial in critically ill patients. Bottom line is that either video laryngoscopy, VL, or direct laryngoscopy, DL, was used for intubation. We need to note that these are not cases that took place in the operating room. These were all either performed in the emergency department or the intensive care unit. Now, some people might be wondering, what does pragmatic mean in describing a clinical trial? And I have to be honest, I didn't know this at one point. I wasn't born knowing everything. But basically, a pragmatic study is where you're comparing two different options, in this case, video laryngoscopy and direct laryngoscopy, against each other. And obviously, this test is unblinded because you can't, uh, you can't blind the person who's securing the airway as to whether they're using video laryngoscopy or direct laryngoscopy. It's just impossible. Now, anybody who has conducted a clinical trial before would know that you need to randomize these patients beforehand, and that just takes a certain amount of time. Therefore, the people who needed to be intubated emergently, as in we don't have enough time to get consents and to randomize the patients, well, those patients were taken out of the trial entirely. The gear that they used for, for example, direct laryngoscopy, they didn't really care about whether you used a Miller 3, a Mac 3, a Mac. They, they just didn't care. You just had to use direct laryngoscopy. The same thing for the video laryngoscopy. They didn't care about the brand name. They didn't care about the blade itself, whether it was hyperangulated. They just wanted you to use video laryngoscopy and direct laryngoscopy. Now, if the patient was not able to be intubated on the first attempt, on the second attempt, it was dealer's choice whether they wanted to stick with DL or switch to video laryngoscopy or if they were in video laryngoscopy, if they wanted to go to DL or stick with the video. One of the cool things I found about this study is that it seems as if they had somebody in the room while the airway was being secured, taking notes, 
And based on these notes is how they obtain the primary and secondary outcomes, which we'll cover in a short amount of time. Since these 11 centers were academic institutions, we find that about 95% of the people who were intubated or better yet, 95% of the procedures were completed by either a resident or a fellow. Now, a small tidbit of myself, I personally love doing my own procedures and this is one of the reasons why I'm not at an academic institution. I'm kind of selfish in that manner and God bless those people who want to be in academic institutions because they are creating the future of medicine. I have to say that only 2% of the intubations were completed by attending physicians and you know, that's that's just the the landscape of academia. That's not something that I could deal with in my practice. I really like to just manage the airways myself. So if you are a fellow or a resident looking into doing critical care, think about this when you're choosing where you're going to work for the rest of your life. Now let's discuss the primary outcome. The primary outcome of the device trial was successful intubation on the first attempt. They ended up enrolling about 1,400 patients with approximately 700 patients in each group. In the video laryngoscopy group, 85% of the time, they intubated the patient the first time. In the direct laryngoscopy group, this number was not as high at 70.8. So therefore, 30% of the patients approximately were not successfully intubated the first time. Putting these two numbers together gives us a nice number needed to treat that's a single digit at just 7. It's important to note that approximately 70% of these airways were taken care of in the emergency department. 45% of these intubations took place because of altered mental status, and just 30% of these patients had to be intubated because of acute hypoxemic respiratory failure. We all know that patients with altered mental status tend to not desaturate as much as those patients who have acute hypoxemic respiratory failure. I guess that means we should move over to the secondary outcomes. When it comes to severe complications, there was no difference between the two groups. Desaturations also had no difference between the two groups. Hypotension, cardiac arrest, changes in vasopressor utilization, all of these had no differences between the two groups. Although there's no difference, it's still important to tease out the fact that approximately 20% of these patients had at least one severe complication, whether they were VL or DL. 10% of patients in both groups desaturated to less than 80%. 12 to 13% of patients suffered either new vasopressor use or an increase in their vasopressor use after intubation. What that tells me is that when we actually obtain consent for these procedures, we need to discuss with the patients as well as the family that, hey, data shows us that about 20% of people are going to desat. And if you're on vasopressors and you're hemodynamically unstable, well, we're going to see a worsening in this hemodynamic instability due to intubation. Now let's talk about the exploratory outcomes. The authors threw in a couple tidbits that were not amongst the primary nor secondary outcomes. Amongst these is the median duration of intubation between direct laryngoscopy with video laryngoscopy, where video laryngoscopy took place about 8 seconds sooner than direct laryngoscopy. When it comes to DL, 17.3% of the lack of success was due to an inadequate view of the vocal cords. We got to compare that to about 4% in the video laryngoscopy group. It's super easy using VL to visualize the cords in patients. Let's move on to the subgroup analysis. I personally love subgroup analyses for clinical trials, especially ones that have these many patients, because it helps us tease out where we might see a little bit of a benefit, where we might see a little bit of harm, and possibly change our practice to find out where it might fit in best. But in this setting, honestly, to find a single benefit of DL over VL was pretty much impossible. 
the best that I could tease out is that if you've intubated over a hundred people, chances are you'll do about the same with both tools. So what's next? It turns out that if your institution does not have video laryngoscopy yet, they really need to put forth the capital to purchase these devices. I sometimes use DL over VL just to keep my skill sets up because as a person who has over a hundred intubations, I personally use DL over VL every now and then just to keep my skill sets up. As a potential drawback to this study, I am romanticizing about how my fellowship program trained me at the time where we used mostly DL over VL. You know, now it might not be so popular to heavily train people in using DL and therefore some people might not be trained well enough using DL for their intubations. I hope that fellowship programs and residency programs keep on emphasizing direct laryngoscopy. But again, this should be a call to those institutions that do not have video laryngoscopy to go ahead and make that purchase. But we could also potentially tease this out to other places such as EMS and uh, the military, for example, who one of the authors is making a call or is making a push towards expanding this utilization of video laryngoscopy to the military setting. But to finish this up, I have to say, long live direct laryngoscopy. If you learned anything from this video, please show your support by hitting the like button, subscribing to the channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on a podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star review as that definitely helps this content get to more people and hopefully more people benefit from it. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for your support. Bye.